And if you haven't been welcomed already, I'd like to welcome you to Connection Christian Church. I am Kyle Sackett. Our minister is doing something insane this morning, I believe. I think he's trying to run a half marathon. I can't run to the end of my driveway. So, so you know, there is that. So, a few months ago at work, I was talking with a coworker, and we were talking about fresh food. And she was exclaiming how she liked fresh salsa. And so I asked her, I said, why don't you just grow a garden? She said, well, in my neighborhood, we have indentures that keep us from planting gardens. So I don't know how many of you have crazy rules in your subdivisions here in St. Charles County. I said, well, that's simple. Just put a pepper plant and a tomato plant in a pot on your porch and grow them. She says, oh, no, 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 no. So it's the little guy on the golf cart that drives around my neighborhood because he has nothing better to do in retirement. They cannot grow any fruiting plant in their subdivision. I thought about that for a while. I thought, where has this world gotten that I'm going to restrict myself so much that I can't grow a tomato or a pepper on my own porch? And it got me thinking about a time that's in the not-so-distant past, and you can look around our auditorium, and I've talked to a few of these folks. It was just a few years ago, during World War II, that our nation was challenged by our president to do something that was pretty astounding. So we were in the heart of, the world, of world War II. Two years America had been involved in, 1943, the president challenged the nation to start growing its own food. And they named this project Victory Garden. So they challenged folks to go out and plant food to support the war effort. And so you can see some pictures here. They planted gardens in boulevards, in the grass between the roads. They gave over public parks. They put fences around ball fields and grazed animals. One of these photos here is actually the sheep that the president put on the White House grounds. So his wife planted a victory garden in the White House, and they grazed sheep in the front yard of our White House. The astounding thing is how people responded. We had between 16 and 20 million uniformed service people that were overseas during the second half of the World War. And within two years, the United States was producing over 50% of its produce through Victory Gardens. Over half of its need took pressure off of ration cards, took pressure off of commercial producers who were producing things that the government was buying to feed these soldiers. <clears throat> Some of the statistics just blew my mind when I started reading it. In the five boroughs of New York, seven times the size of Central Park was planted in produce. People were growing tomatoes off the sides of buildings, on the roofs of buildings. Every square inch of grass that could be tilled had a tomato, green bean, pea plant, bean plant growing in it. It was just astounding. But yet, when challenged, the people of the United States saw this shared mission, this shared need to support troops in what they thought was a very just war, and they were willing to do something that I'd like to call shared sacrifice. 
They all went out in their afternoons and evenings. And remember, 16 million primarily young men, but some young women were off fighting the war, so the heart of our labor force was gone. So elderly, single, or not single moms, but moms whose husbands were off fighting the war. Everybody is out spending their spare time in the summer and in the fall producing and canning fruit. And it got me thinking, you know, that is such a spectacular example for us here in the church. But where's the Bible example that gives us that? So I'd like to share with you from first or Second Corinthians, the eighth chapter. It says this. My friends, we want you to know that the churches in Macedonia have shown others God's gift of undeserved grace. Although they were going through hard times and were very poor, they were glad to give generously. They gave as much as they could afford and even more, simply because they wanted to. They even asked and begged us to let them have the joy of giving their money for God's people. And they did more than we had hoped. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us, just as God had wanted them to do. So the first thing I'd like to talk to you about is God desires sacrificial living. Paul in 2 Corinthians is visiting a church that is in an affluent area that is not for want. Their problems are the problems that we see in the United States of sin. So two big books of the New Testament are devoted to his addressing the needs of this church. And one of the areas he attacks is support of the church. And he gives an example of another church that has given sacrificially, and that's the church in Macedonia. And I'm trying to come up with a comparison in our world, or even in our country. So a few years ago, I took my wife down to Mississippi to visit my sister, and we drove not down the interstate. We drove down the small roads. And it was the most depressing, saddening, almost infuriating thing to see the squalor, the impoverty that these folks lived in. And there are places like that all around our country. But then I decided, hey, I'm going to see who gives in the church. I thought, surely the rich, wealthy churches give all the money in our churches. And every study I looked at, there were a couple of distinct things. There was a giving pattern that they call the U pattern. The extremely wealthy, and I'm talking the Bill Gates kinds, give extreme amounts of money. The extremely poor, as a percentage of their income, give an exorbitant amount of money. And there's that big middle that gives some, but not exorbitantly. And the Macedonians are those backroad Mississippians giving out of their poverty and begging to give more. Now, the good news for us here at Connection Christian Church is, or I guess how you want to look at it, we're in the middle of that U for the most part. The bulk of us live between that extreme, extreme wealth and that extreme poverty, but we defy that statistic because our church is a giving church. So that's the good news for us. The second thing I'd like to share with you out of 
2 Corinthians, is a few verses later. And Paul says this, I am not trying to make life easier for others by making life harder for you. But it is only fair for you to share with them when you have so much and they have so little. Later, when they have more than enough and you are in need, they can share with you. Then everyone will have a fair share. Just as the scripture says, those who gather too much had nothing left and those who gathered a little had all they needed. So, Paul's telling the church what? He's saying, be generous, right? So, when you're in abundance, share with those in needs, and when you're in needs, there will be someone there to share with you who has abundance at the time. It's a very interesting Old Testament quote that he uses here, and it's from Exodus chapter 16, and you can go read the the 16th chapter of Exodus. Um, The people... The Jewish people, the people of God, had been in captivity for over 400 years in Egypt. The Lord had led them out, and through some circumstances, their time wandering got extended to a long period of time, and they ran out of supplies. And God, God, God told them through Moses, I'll take care of you. So he started giving them quail, and they ate quail till they couldn't eat any more quail, and they griped about quail. And he said, I will give you bread from heaven. So every morning like the dew, this bread would be on the ground. And I have known about this story for most of my life. What I did not remember ever reading was that everyone didn't collect the same amount. Um, I did remember if you collected too much and didn't consume it, it would be gone the next day. But this verse, when you go back and read in Exodus, says... Some would go out and they would collect a lot. Some would go out and they would collect a little. But when they brought it together and everybody got their portion, there was just enough. So this principle is there that God has given us enough for everyone. So as we sit in our air-conditioned, hot October Sunday church and watch a church in Haiti, we know that God has supplied enough so that his people can be supported across the the globe. And really, that's the crux of my sermon, those two points. God wants us to to give sacrificially, and the two, God has supplied everything we need. Um, We got a great sermon, and I could have saved you 23 minutes and just come up and just said ditto, because that was such a great offering meditation. But I'd like to share with you kind of as a culmination of our missions month, and as we go into this new series, that it's a we church, and it's what we do outside of our walls that matter. So I'd just like to walk you through the missions that we support. First one is Hope Food food Pantry. We saw a plea for the food there, and I'm going to throw with this the backpack ministry. For those of you who don't know, we supply backpacks with food to a local school, And through this food pantry in O'Fallon, we try to reach the needs of the local community through providing food. The second one is CFS, it's Christian Family Services. And the 
service that they provide is primarily for adoptive and foster care, but they also do counseling and some other stuff. Um, we have a number of people in our church that have been highly involved in this until, I guess, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, one of the adoptive families went to church with us, and they've moved recently. But they provide a service to believing families to help connect them with children. The next two, Mercy Multiplied Ministries and Sparrow's Nest, are two ministries that are primarily targeted to young women. Sparrow's Nest is solely for young unwed mothers. They bring young women in while they're pregnant. They give them housing, teaching. They ensure that they continue in school and support them in trying to find employment. And Mercy Multiplied does similar things, but also addresses young women who have issues with abuse, with drug abuse, and other stuff. I would love to show you pictures of those two, but obviously we're not going to go sneak into a young woman's home and uh, photograph them. And then the last three I'd like to share with you are our foreign missions. The first, and I'm glad to see them here, Paul's parents, we support Paul and Stacy Leonard in Turkey. And he's reaching out to a community that has not seen the love of Christ in a long time. He's dealing with Turks, and he's dealing with a huge refugee population that's poured out of Iraq and Syria over the last decade. And through our support, they can live there, and they can be a light in a very dark world. The next one's my sister, Kathy Sackett. Um, she's worked for just a little over 20 years in linguistics, and for the last maybe 15 years, working on building language for people who have never had a written language and have been oppressed successive, successively by different countries, and most recently by Russia. And they've never seen the love of God expressed in their own language through the scripture. And they're taking stories like Noah's Ark and exposing these people to the first time through to, to God's genuine love. And they are still in their infancy of trying to create the Bible out of this, but they've built the languages, they're working on the language structure, and they're doing that through Bible stories at this time with the long vision that this will be a community that one day has the scripture in their own language. And then the last one, and we saw the video, is Living Water Christian Mission. A place that is so close, but so far away. And I don't know if you saw the building, if you've ever been to Haiti, or if you've ever been to Mexico, those cinder block buildings. It's a whole different world. And working with a passionate missionary like Solonique, who, working with his own people, is educating, feeding, but above all else, exposing this community to the love of Christ. And we share in that ministry, not only physically by going, but by regularly contributing to him. And we have seen just spectacular results there. And I told, uh, I told Jeff this would be a short sermon, and it's going to be, so we'll get to lunch early. As I close, I want to go back to the Victory Gardens. 
At the end of the war, so literally Victory Gardens lasted for three years. At the end of the war, there was a push to keep them going. And indeed, they started this effort, and they wanted to call them Freedom Gardens. And guess how long Freedom Gardens lasted? A lot less long than Victory Gardens did. And so most of them dried up, went back to being parks, boulevards, um, playgrounds, and whatnot. In fact, and you can look this up, there's one Victory Garden left in the United States, and it's in Minnesota. And my point of telling you this is that that shared mission and that shared sacrifice lasted only as long as that shared need did, right? The war ended in, 40, in 1945, and people went and reverted right back to their old lifestyle. Well, we have a mission that does not have an expiration stamp on it, correct? This is going to be a mission until the day Jesus returns. We have a, an obligation, we have a need to continue reaching the lost population of our planet until the day that we expire or Jesus returns. As we start this new series, I've been challenged to challenge you. Whether it's an entry-level challenge, would you commit today to praying for one of our missions? Would you commit today to writing down gravy and muffin mix and adding that to your shopping list this week? It's not very hard to stop on that shelf at the grocery store and grab that item. Are you ready to step it up a notch? Are you willing to commit some money? Are you willing to hand a check to Paula Beecham when she comes and says, hey, we want to build a bridge to a community that has never had a vehicle in it ever so that they can build a church and school? Are you willing to go above and beyond? Are you willing to commit, say, I want to be involved so much that I want to participate? I want to go on one of those trips. I want to support physically in my presence a missionary. And I'm going to go out on the field and I'm going to work with them and I'm going to support them by my presence. And again, I cannot tell you that the, more than enough that this church defies the odds. We give like we care, we share like we care, and it is a mission that we must continue um, as long as we're in existence.